This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Christopher Marinello is of the Art Recovery International. That is his company. Producer Rog tracked him down. I spoke to him a little earlier today. We're going to unpack this incredible story. The missing Aston Martin DB5 from the Goldfinger movie. It's an incredible story that winds its way to the Middle East. The Big Interview with Offscript. The Aston Martin DB5 made famous in the James Bond movie Goldfinger. Let's take a little listen when it first introduced itself. You'll be using this Aston Martin DB5 with modifications. Now, pay attention, please. Windscreen bulletproof. That's on the side and the rear windows. Revolving number plates naturally. Valid all countries. You see this arm here? Smoke screen, oil slick, rear bulletproof screen, and left and right front wing machine guns. Now this one I'm particularly keen about. You see the gear lever here? Now if you take the top off, you'll find a little red button. Whatever you do, don't touch it. No, why not? Because you'll release this section of the roof and engage and fire the passenger ejector seat. Ejector seat? You're joking. I never joke about my work, 007. Oh, 50, on, 50% toilet. of that film Goldfinger there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> a long clip. A famous I tell you what, voice. back when Bond was Bond. When he was Scottish. Yeah, when he was just James Bond. Not the nonsense that No Time to Die <laughs> yeah. put forward. But we're not going to get into put, that now. Uh, we're all to rights on that one, Rob. Yeah, no, we've, we've already done on. that. Been there. And seen it, done it. We are talking all things the Aston Martin DB5. So the story's a remarkable one because this mysterious disappearance of the car, it was back in June 19th, 1997. The world's most famous car essentially vanished into thin air, never to have been seen again. As we say, made famous in that James Bond film, Goldfinger, the search for the lost car, there is a 100,000 US dollar reward. It's actually been documented in an eight-part podcast series entitled The Great James Bond Car Robbery. That's where Christopher Marinello comes in. I caught up with him a little earlier today. He's been a lawyer for the past 35 years. He actually originally went to art school. He's always had a love for art, and he fused the two. He wanted essentially to resolve problems for everyone from art galleries from dealers collectors artists themselves and for Christopher it's fair to say that this missing Aston Martin DB5 is personal he has spent over a decade on the trail of the treasure that he calls and I quote here his white whale before we get to the car itself I want to find out a little bit more from Christopher exactly what he does well in my practice I represent many of the fine art insurance companies. Uh, It's important to understand first that when a victim of a crime, of an art crime or a stolen classic vehicle like this, reports it stolen, they report it to the police, and then they report it to their insurance company. And if the insurance company pays out on the claim, what happens is when the item is recovered, the object belongs to the insurance company. And and often in the policies themselves, it specifies what those terms would be. Sometimes the the victim is actually offered the item back if they repay the the payment amount. But the insurance company is is in the lead uh, when the object is recovered or located. And I am hired by many of these fine art insurance companies, including the one that paid out on the James Bond car to deal with all issues re- regarding title, 
location, recovery, dealing with the police, dealing with tipsters. Uh, and, and, and that's how I am involved in this case. And I've been working on it since easily 2007. But I have many, many hundreds and hundreds of cases like this of, of stolen objects that we're looking for, stolen objects that have been found, uh, disputes that need to be resolved, uh, stolen objects that need to be recovered. And this is just one of many. And it, it is my white whale because it is such a high profile case and, and such an important piece of, of, of world history. So it's pretty simple. Insurance companies pay out, but of course you can't keep paying out. You want to try and recover these items. And as he says, that if they do go on to recover the item, essentially the insurance company then owns the item or you can offer it back to the individual. They can give the money back and they are back in possession of their item, whatever that may be. What about the car in itself? What do we know of the day that this iconic Aston Martin DB5, June 19th, 1997, disappeared? Well, it was reported to the police in in Boca Raton, Florida. Boca Raton, Florida is a small city outside of Palm Beach and has a uh, a very affluent community and a private airport. And on the airport premises, there are storage facilities. And the victim, the owner of this car, our insured, had this car stored in one of those storage units. And one night in 1997, this unit was broken into, was deactivated. Another unit nearby was was also uh, attacked. And this car was, we believe, unceremoniously dragged out of the unit by its axle to where a cargo plane could have been. Uh, and it hasn't been seen since. And, and there's a, been a very thorough investigation over the years, over the decades, both by the, the insurance company uh, and by the public, as, as you know. And we are holding a couple of cards close to our vest just in case the uh, car surfaces. We have details that nobody else has, that only the criminals or, or the, the, the current possessor may. Right then, the plot thickens on this, and trust me, you want to stick around because it is a long and winding road that leads to the Middle East. Now, you mentioned they're the owner, Florida real estate developer Anthony Pugliese III. He bought the car at a Sotheby's auction in 1986, the year of my birth. He had it insured for 16 times what he paid for it. He stashed it away inside that private jet hangar at Boca Raton Airport. It was stolen from there. The insurance company paid out 4.2, 4 million US dollars. What then would the car be worth today on the open market? Well, I've received estimates from some of the top auction houses in the world saying, look, if you do recover that car, please bring it to us because we believe we can get anywhere from, you know, 12 million to 20 million pounds for the vehicle. Wow. And and that's considerable. Now, it's like a lot of money since the insurance company paid only, uh, in quote, uh, 4.2 million U.S. dollars back in 1997. But the classic car market has increased dramatically, absolutely dramatically, as, as you know, fewer of these classics are, are around. And, and when you think about it, 
This is one of the most famous cars in the world. Everyone knows that scene from Goldfinger. Everyone knows, you know, the the photos of of Sean Connery standing in front of the vehicle. I mean, this is just absolutely iconic. And when you're talking about something that is really a one-off, you really just can't put a monetary figure on it. Oh, I know you can't. But listen, this story is only just starting. Where the heck is it? Christopher's investigations have taken him to the Middle East. You know, I work on many cases of Nazi looted art and stolen art that it takes... It could take decades for something to surface. You know, it's not unusual for us to recover something 30 years after, it, you know, it's it was stolen. Um, you now, I get tips from all over the world on, on things, and including this vehicle. And, and finally, I received something a couple of years ago, a very reliable tip from someone who claims to have seen the car, has seen the um, serial numbers, the chassis numbers, on the vehicle, knew about a secret spot where uh, the, the the serial number is located, and it seemed to me extremely credible. And so I have focused on the Middle East uh, without naming a specific country or a specific collector, even though I have those uh, names available to me. I am trying to take, let's say, baby steps with this individual. Interesting. A lot of times when I recover something, um, it makes the news because if I have to get law enforcement involved or legal proceedings need to be started, the, the, you know, and once something is is uh, is is in the the you know law enforcement arena, it becomes public information. And high net worth individuals hate publicity. They don't want to be known as handling stolen property, have to be in possession of stolen property, or have anything to do with something that's going to harm their reputation. So when I find a, a, a painting or a Nazi looted work of art in the hands of, of a high net worth collector, they usually say, well, why didn't you come to me first? And, and, and we could have resolved this quietly and discreetly and, and without all this public you know, information coming out. I said, well, you know what? I always do. You ignored me. Your people ignored me. Your lawyer ignored me. I approached you and you, you put up a wall and you wouldn't talk to me. And that's why the press is all over this. It makes sense for me to do what I do discreetly, quietly, and some of the most expensive things I've recovered, no one will ever know about because I have made deals with Hollywood stars, uh, uh, heads of state, uh, members of, of, of European royalty that have had stolen objects in their position, and no one will ever know about it. I mean, this, this is how we have gotten these objects back quietly and discreetly. So in this case, I've got a couple of names. I've got a couple of countries. I, 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 I have approached the individuals who I believe have the car, and I said, look, this is your chance to to come forward, agree to meet with me, and let's sort it out quietly. Right then. He's keeping his cards close to his chest. Certainly right? is, yeah. So then I thought to myself, right, there's a man who doesn't want to reveal too much. He's keeping it broad. It's in the Middle East. And then this happened. Will it get resolved anytime soon? 
Well, getting back before I answer that question, but getting back to value. Yes, we say this car could be worth 12 million to 20 million pounds. Could be, could be right now in its current state. It is worthless. It cannot be sold at auction. It cannot be exhibited publicly. It has no value with this stolen taint to it until it's resolved. And who's the person to resolve it is me. Sit down with me. I represent the insurance company. We could work out some sort of a resolution so that you could keep the car, show the car, move the car, exhibit the car, whatever it is you want to do with it. But what's really interesting is the instant that we resolve this title dispute and say, okay, the insurance company no longer has a claim to the car, that car will be worth even more money. I find it interesting, Chris, you say there that an agreement could be had where the individual or individuals who stole the car would still have a legitimate claim to it. Surely that flies in the eye of possession, etc., no? No, 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 no. The the people who stole... Let me make this very clear that... I do not believe that the person that has this collector that has it currently had anything to do with the theft. Interesting. Absolutely not. Okay. I believe that he was offered this car by the thieves or by a fence. Some intermediaries was not told the entire history of the case and bought the car without asking too many questions. Okay, but I do believe that he or she now knows that the car is stolen and needs to deal with it. Interesting. Okay, so I guess the, the kind of final question in this particular story is: I mean, do you are you confident that a resolution will be found? Whether that takes months, years, you know, I appreciate it could be decades, but do you think we will get a resolution as to where this Aston Martin DB5, made famous in the James Bond film Goldfinger, will be found and will be exhibited for James Bond fans all around the world to enjoy? <laughs> I believe that one day it will be resolved. I mean, the UAE is known for two things, business and luxury. And there are some extremely intelligent businessmen out there uh, and women. uh, And they know that when you have something of value that has a taint to it, it has no value. And, 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 and really, the, the smart move is to sit down with me and resolve this, and it will instantly become more valuable of an asset. They also know that leaving a headache like this to children or their heirs is, 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 is not a very honorable thing to do. If the collector dies and leaves this major headache, it's not going to go away. It's still going to be there. The insurance company is going to outlast the the collector in this case, no doubt about it. So it, it's and, and nobody wants me to name who I believe is in possession of the car. So so send your people to me or invite me to a meeting. I will sit down with you and we can figure it out quietly and no one will ever know. And then you can show the car off as the centerpiece of some incredible car museum in the UAE or in Kuwait or Saudi Arabia, whatever, wherever you want to build it. And and people will flock to it. It, it just makes business sense to resolve this case. That sounds like an appeal. By Chris to anyone listening out there on Dubai 103.8 oh, you know to come forward with pertinent information. I didn't record this. Did, You've seen it stop. recently? I hit stop at the end of our little chat, and then it was the usual thank you, thank you. And he did carry on, did Chris? 
without revealing too much, he is hopeful that said individual listens to off script on Dubai 103.8. The owner of the 1964 Aston Martin DB5 that appeared in Goldfinger Wants is to listening to this show. Please do let us know. 04871 <laughs> We do not judge on this show. No. Just pick up the phone. Talk us through it. Yeah. Where is it? It's quite conspicuous. It's, it's a silver classic Aston Martin. Correct. You'd probably know it if you saw it. Um, although <laughs> there's probably what, one or two others around. You know what he did say as well? Go on. Genuinely. This will raise an eyebrow or two. If he did point out, this did lead to the discovery of said Aston Martin. There is a 100,000 US dollar prize fund. Bonus. A reward. That's, that's almost... And we're going to get some of it. Yeah, we, we might get a, so a kickback. So if that individual... And obviously you know who you are. It's tucked up in a garage somewhere. Just yep. have a good long Give us a shout. Sonny's been in touch. He's really impressed with how quickly we have mobilised this interview. When I say we, I mean producer Rog, who uh, managed to reach out to Chris. And Chris was all too happy to have a little chat, which is always always great. Often yeah. that's not the case. But with Chris, it was. So we thank him. Indeed we do. And Sonny, thank you for the kind words. I want to finish with Chris Marinello, though. And if you are just joining the conversation, he is the man who is on the search or on the hunt for that Aston Martin DB5 from the James Bond Goldfinger movie that has been missing since 1997. He thinks it's somewhere in this part of the world. He actually thinks it's right here in the United Arab Emirates. Wow. I whisper that quietly. But what other investigations has he worked on? What other stolen treasure is Chris hunting for? And this will raise an eyebrow or two. Oh, I've got a whole litany of <laughs> cases on my desk. I've got a Degas painting that was looted by the, by the Nazis by Hermann Goering himself that went through a dealer in Hamburg, Germany, who's not cooperating. He sold it to a Swiss collector who's not cooperating. I've got that tied up in the German courts right now to uncover the name of that Swiss collector so that we can move the case forward. I've got uh, a, a stolen Joshua Reynolds painting that's hanging on a muse uh, the, the wall of the Tokyo Fuji Art Museum, and those people there are not cooperating. I mean, it's it, this is really interesting. I mean, in my business, I have people who, when presented with news that they have something stolen, they either come forward and, and want to resolve it amicably or they fight. And, and you know, I think that when you're dealing with somebody else's property, you need to do the right thing. You need to cooperate and you need to have dialogue. It's And, and you know, I see all, all walks of life, you know, people who find people's wallet and take the money out and, and disappear, you know, and then there's people who will do anything to return that wallet. So, you know, those, those are the types of people I deal with on a much larger scale. Just on that, Robbie, what kind of man are you? Do you return the wallet full of cash? Of course I do. Good on and, and to the person that nabbed my rangefinder from a golf club that I will not name in Dubai, shame on you. Absolute shame on you, whoever it was. I'm just gutted that you misplaced it. That was a yeah. birthday gift. So can you please come forward with the Aston Martin DB5 and my rangefinder? It's got RG scrolled on it. It's got his initials on it. He wants it back. <laughs>